This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome back to this edition of Rockcast. I'm Emily Foreman. We have John Edmiston and Nick Erdo, and we are here to share all things rock with you. We have uh, some exciting updates on events and classes and a great topic we really wanted to, um, we've been working on for a little while to be able to talk about on this podcast today. So thanks for joining us. Let's start out with an update on where we're at with uh, the latest rock version. We are in alpha testing at version 12.4. And probably by the time this goes out, it will be in beta. And we're going to try and do that for about two weeks, maybe a little less than two weeks. And one of the things that we're testing is a brand new updater. So the updater we've used for the last since forever, Rock (laughs) version zero, is basically been replaced, gutted, and... Um, it looks the same. It looks very much the same, except there's a, a small noticeable difference when you click the update button. It gives you a confirmation box, which people are very thankful. We've gotten feedback on that. That's um, nice. Apparently, somebody's inadvertently updated in the past. Hmm. So this will prevent them from doing that. But there's lots of other benefits. It, uh, it's much faster, and um, it gives us more control. The way we wrote this, where we've kind of just taken it on ourselves um, instead of relying on this underlying system and library. Beyond that, there's lots of bug fixes and a few little small features in there um, that I do not have off the top of my head. Yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff. And I think another thing too is that as we roll out these updates, there's we're pouring concrete ahead of other features. So I think in a lot of sense, 12.4 pours some foundation that is going to be built upon in 13. So um, I would say internally, our, our strategies changed quite a bit about how we do the updates and people are getting features faster. And it, even though they're dot releases, um, you're getting features faster. And I think coming soon, we might actually even re- rename and rebrand how we call updates to make it a little more clearer. Yeah, like an honesty check kind of. Mm. Sure. Honest. Well, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. hey, th- this is a this new release. This feature. This there's several features in here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if you think, well, gosh, it's been taking a long time to get 13. Well, you've been getting a lot of features in the mm-hmm. meantime. Um, and we're trying to be. It's all in a, in a in a drive to be more responsive to what churches need right now, instead of saying, well, you got to wait six months. Right. And it doesn't mean that we won't have some releases that are just microscopic bug fixes and emergency you know we'll still do that yeah so it is interesting though i don't think maybe um it's easy to understand that you're also pre-pouring like you said that foundation for the elements that are needed ahead of time before a feature is even visible there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to get that lined up and out the door in the correct order yeah and I, i would say there's actually a lot of work been going on in the last six to eight months that's pouring concrete for versions like two years in the future so there's a lot of strategic alignment and and moves underneath the covers on top of a lot of tactical decisions to get stuff features right out it's 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 a challenge to keep it all lined up 
and not to break anything. Yeah. Keep yeah. all the conveyor belts moving at the same time at different speeds and very interesting. Yeah. Well, some exciting updates. Um, last year, we sort of had a pause on a lot of events or figuring out different angles on events and, and everything's full steam ahead right now. So there are lots of ways to get involved. And if you're really looking for a way to take your rock experience or learning to the next level, you have lots of options now, uh, maybe more than we've had at any one given time at any slice in time. So make sure you check out the classes and conference options that are available. Um, we have a page for classes now on the community site. It's one of the main menu items. You can click there and see all the different styles of classes we have, and then uh, go to those individual pages to find out uh, registrations and dates. So we have things open right now for the 100 series, that high level survey class. For those who typically listen to our podcast, that's probably a little lower uh, of a, or maybe a higher level, I should say, of rock than you might need. But there may be some people on your team that it would be really beneficial if they just understood a little bit more about how rock worked. So that's a great class to keep in mind for that. Um, whether they're new or maybe they're an admin that does certain things in rock, but you just know if they could expand their understanding of what all was going on, it might help with the job they're doing. Um, that's a great option. The masterclass, of course, is a, a standard favorite and necessary. And don't forget that as people join your team, that's still there. And it's a great class to put people through. And finally, the sequel for Rock, which really launched within the last 12 months and has had uh, great reviews as well. So we have multiple options on all those classes as well as the conference. And we're so excited about the conference because it is going to be in person again this year. We are going to have it right here in Phoenix at the convention center we talked about two years ago. And uh, we've had great uh, interest and response from the community and from sponsors. It's going to be an incredible event, especially with all the things that churches have been doing and learning about in the last year to reach their communities in new ways in challenging times. There's going to be so much incredible content. We do have an option for those who can't attend in person. It'll be a modified virtual experience. Um, so definitely check out the website rx.rockrms.com to find out what those options are and um, and figure out you know what it is that you want to do. But we definitely recommend if you're a rock church that you don't miss the rock experience because it will power your rock work for the next year. Definitely. I mean, the lessons learned that you're going to hear right from people who've been in the trenches is going to be great. And, you know, I think there's a good inflection point now that we need to transition from that, but there's still a huge need. Mm -hmm. um, the virus might be tamping down, but the impact of the virus on in our souls is, is just getting started. Right. And the fact that we're having this event inside, again, that the hotel convention center means that in the past, we've had to kind of kick people out of the host churches and say, all right, enough getting together, you know, let the cleaning crew come in and we don't have to do that this year. Yeah. So the connection opportunities, I, I think, are going to be really uh, incredibly powerful this year. Definitely looking forward to it. Well, we have a topic that's been uh, brewing on the minds and hearts here for a while, and we really wanted to be able to bring this to a podcast. So, John, why don't you introduce this? Yeah, so we've been spending a lot of time internally thinking about digital strategies uh, for churches and ministries and, you know, how does rock play into that? Um, but even outside of rock, like what is, you know, a good digital strategy? Where are the components of a good digital strategy? And so we've been putting out some videos on that. Um, and so, uh, but doing a lot of thinking and reflecting about that, um, especially over 
um, looking at things in the past that worked, but looking in towards the future of things that are needed and new things. Um, but today I thought we could talk about something that perhaps doesn't work, and that's the the importance of, of creating a digital strategy for ministry, but not taking too much digital strategy from the secular world and just applying it, you know, right out of the box in ministry and, and the challenges that that, that is. Um, and so a few points to start with, uh, just conceptually, Christianity improves capitalism, but capitalism doesn't improve Christianity. Mm-hmm. Said another way, business tools can help churches, but business plans won't. Now, those are a little bit of a blanket statement, so I'm sure we can all find like that one thing that, that doesn't fall into that. But I think these are, are traps that sometimes I see um, churches just reach right off the shelf and just want to grab strategies uh, from the from the secular world and just apply them as if they're going to work just as well or the same uh, within churches. So a few things. Um, in companies, typically that's the company that does all of the work in terms of outreach. You know, you don't go to like Procter and Gamble and, and say, well, let's, let's let our customers do all the outreach. <laughs> let's do, let them do all the marketing, right? They might do, they might say that they might have these little programs, but they're, they're teeny, 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 tiny compared to the, the budgets that the organization is spending on, on doing this outreach in churches. It's exactly the opposite, right? You know, it's the people who are called to reach out to others. Does the church have a piece of that as an organization? Yeah, there, there's a little bit, but it's probably, you know, I was kind of thinking what, what's, what's the percentage, maybe 10%. Um, so the church might be responsible for putting Google ads out. Like that's easy lure. You just throw in the water. Like you, you, you do it. It's almost free. You, you might as well. But that's not your primary strategy. Your primary strategy is for your people to be transformed and then for their lives to impact others uh, intentionally. It's not let, let them just walk around and, and see if they <laughs> attract people, but it's for them to outreach and share, you know, the gift that they've been given with others. And, and that's the primary you know, strategy for outreach. And so how does the church come alongside that and provide tools, content, encouragement, challenge? Um, that's, you know, what we need to be focusing on. Um, but oftentimes the church takes over and steals that role from its own people. And so in my um, opinion, this is just my opinion, in in many ways in our society, government has stolen the role of the church, which was the, to love and care for people uh, who need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, in a sense, the church has stolen the role of outreach from the people. And now, it, in many churches, in some churches, it's becoming, hey, like, this is our job. We're going to go outreach. We're going to bring in these tools. We're going to have these uh, discipleship paths um, that are mainly for us to bring people mm-hmm. closer to God, not for people to bring themselves and others closer to God. Discipleship paths are still needed, but the focus should be on helping that person and and in helping other people bring other people into that. Um, Because we can't do it alone. Like We need spiritual leadership to encourage us, challenge us, and provide us the tools to make us efficient in reaching out to others. Um, I was challenged a couple years ago. I, I kept seeing in my in my own life, I kept inviting people to my church, but not inviting people to my God. Right, which seemed a little backwards to me. Like, why? That seems a little bit of a cop out. It's easy mm-hmm. for me to invite them to church and let the church take over and share the message and do all that. But I felt like, well, you know, inviting them to church is a good thing. Like, right? I should keep doing that. But why don't I talk more about like how Christ has changed my life and how God has changed my life and the person I used to be? I feel like that'd be a lot more of interest to the person, like, than the organization, um, than 
the impact in my life because I'm sure they're seeking more a change in their life than a change in presence on Sunday mornings. You mm -hmm. know, they probably actually might even prefer their jammies on the on the couch. <laughs> on the couch, right? But they would be very interested in the life change, perhaps, um, depending on where they're at in life. Um, so people need tools and content and strategies and motivation and challenge. Um, but we can't treat this as like a corporation just selling its wares. Like we're not selling a product. We're it's a it's a change of life, not a change of of, of product. Um, and I think as we look at that, you know, one of the the tools that a lot of people try to bring in, and it's not a bad thing. Like don't read me wrong, but the the concept of the funnel is a bit dangerous um, if just used applied. You know, just lock, stock, and barrel from the outside because it's typically focusing on the church doing the work versus the people mm -hmm. doing the work. You know, you're, you're trying to put people through a set of steps that gets them closer and closer to making a product buying decision. Um, and that said, we're not, the conversion experience does not map to a product acquisition experience. I mean, if you look through the Bible and look through the people who converted their lives and transformed their lives, it doesn't really map to like, how do I decide, oh yes, I need a car. What car am I going to get? Yeah totally different. Usually it's radically different. Um, and so to not take that into account, I think provides a tool that might work in some cases, but not to the extent and maybe not the way that it could. Um, and also if we're not careful, the funnel has an underlying acceptance that not all people make it through the funnel. That's very true. Now that's okay. I mean, we know that everybody who hears the, the word is going to like could go the whole way through, right? There's parables about this. Um, but that's not, we should not accept that as we should like fight tooth and nail that every person makes it through. I mean, there's also, you know, uh, word pictures in the Bible, like you will leave the 99 to go get the, the mm -hmm. lost one. Um, so, and that's not to say that the funnel, as used by some churches, is accepting that, but it does have this underlying, even the shape of it says, well, not everybody's going to get through. Um, that's a literal thing, but it's we have to be careful about that. Um, so another concern too is like maybe a big thing in, in the secular world is influencers. Mm -hmm. And I think the church needs to be very careful about that too because um, you know these influencers, while they can draw more people in, first of all, the Bible tells us not to treat people differently based on wealth or, or or other means that the the world would see. So be careful about that. But an influencer, if you're a car maker and your influencer goes south, well, you, you know, you're going to split ties. At, it's a slight black eye. But when it's for a church, it's that's a, it's that lifestyle means a lot more. There's there's that just continues to show the hypocriticalness of 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 this. So, you know, putting your eggs in that basket is a lot of eggs and, um, you know, probably there is a draw to say, well, if I can get this one person, then they can reach everybody. Careful like that. That may not be exactly what we're supposed to or called to do, but it also puts your eggs in a very um, uh, fragile basket. But I think in general, like we as the church, and it's no different in business, um, are always looking for a silver bullet approach that brings lottery-like results. Mm -hmm. um, every business is like that, but then we're the same in, inside the church. We're always looking for what's the secret sauce? Like what's the next book we're reading that's just like, oh, if I just do this, we'll have growth. And instead we need to be strategically looking at doing the right things the right way for an extended period of time. If we do that, 
we'll have success if it's biblically focused, mm -hmm. if we just do the hard work. I mean, I think that that's the success in life is just, are you willing to do the grind? Are you willing to be uncomfortable and extend yourself? Um, and it's the same thing with, with strategies. And so as we go to fill that role of uh, in our churches of who's going to help us with this, there's a big desire to just get, grab someone from the secular world and they've had success and let's bring them in. And I think there's um, a lot of, a majority of that, what I see is, okay, this, you can almost see it. Okay, two years, they're going to bring this person in. They're going to stick around for two years. They're going to change everything, often not using the, the tools that should be used. This the tools that are most comfortable with. It's going to kind of turn in a mess, and they're literally going to leave after two years because they found a different opportunity that's better. And so we have to be very careful. On the flip side, there's some people who have come from the secular world, done amazing things, like changed the big C church in dramatic positive ways so it's not to say don't do that it's just to be very careful about how you do that uh, in fact often it's easier to take a ministry-minded person and teach them these these tools and strategies than it is to take someone from the secular world and teach them ministry and i think back through um, my experience i came from the corporate world doing e-commerce business um, from a technical and business strategy at at honeywell you know i had a really great opportunity to work with the CEO of Honeywell. When he got the e-business bug, everything turned e-business. I got to participate on a team, a small team close to his circle on that. But when I came to CCV, you know, my first meeting with the senior pastor was, here's my 10 ideas for digital strategy. And that meeting, all 10 of them got nixed. And they were good ideas. They legitimately, they were good ideas. Um, but I think that was a pivotal part of my learning process. I am so glad that that happened. The senior pastor at the time was not a digital strategist, right? Did not born in digital worlds, but he knew ministry. And he knew, um, even though he knew he didn't know that part of like digital strategy, he knew what would, what would work in ministry. And he knew that the ideas as presented didn't fit with the strategy of the ministry. And he had the confidence to say, hey, no, we're not going to do those things. Um, and it took me months to figure out that the ideas were good, but, but the strategy behind the ideas was bad. And um, I think there has to be this humility as you come from the secular world that, is, that says, okay, I have, I have some ideas, I have some tools, but I need to understand how they get applied. This is not just another segment of an industry. Mm -hmm. This is not like another vertical it's not the fine went from the financial vertical to the manufacturing vertical. No, this is completely different. Um, and you have to understand that. I, I would almost say as you come from the corporate world, you have not the right answers. You have the right questions. And so you have to be humble enough to ask those questions. And I think a lot of senior leaders just turn over those reins too much. They don't either understand that or they don't have the time. They're under a lot of other stresses. And they just say, okay, well, you just run with it. You had, you had a good track record in the corporate world just you know rinse and repeat and that's a recipe for not success and so i'm lucky to have worked under a senior pastor who knew ministry and knew to to not just you know go along with any of these ideas um but to teach and and bring that strategy to to me and then and then use the tools that i i maybe knew and, and you know like a, if i look back at those 10 ideas i think five or six of them we ended up doing but we did them for a totally different reason like one was podcasting this was back in like 
2001, 2002. And, you know, podcasting was kind of new. It was all audio back then. Um, and so that was one of my first ideas. It's like an easy one, like slam dunk, right? Well, no, because I wanted to, my, you know, reason for wanting to do podcasting was to, so people could be, um, it'd be easier. You didn't have to go get a tape, right? And he's like, well, that, that's not really an outreach idea. Like he's, you know, our, mm-hmm. the whole ministry is around outreach. And he's like, I want to focus on outreach ideas. So that's a training idea. Like that's not, that's not I mean, he's not saying that's bad. That's not what I want to focus on. So over time, we could, you know, build the tools out to make it more outreach. Like, hey, if you want to hear a message on divorce, here's a good message on that. Well, that's great because now the whole community is inter- it, it can come to that, get that, hear that, and it becomes an outreach. Um, so I think that's super important too, is just not to, you know, bring these people from the outside, let them run wild and, and not teach them the ministry. And I'd say if you are coming from the outside world, like, please listen, like, these, you have a great skill set, you have a great understanding, but now you need to match that and grow that with the understanding of, understanding of ministry. Because if you use it the same way, you're underusing the most valuable resource we have, which is our people, and you're not going to get the results. And honestly, you'll probably go someplace else in two years. But I think the people that I see that have stuck with it for decades and have had huge impacts have really taken their skill sets and understood ministry and applied them in those ways. Um, and they've had huge success. So that's kind of like, you know, my thoughts on, you know, making sure not to use these secular concepts like lock, stock and barrel. If you're coming from the secular world, please like listen, even if your pastor is giving you the keys to go do whatever, make them, you know, unpack what, what makes them tick. What's uniquely, what are they uniquely called by God? To, to do special within that church and then think through, put your tools aside, think through, okay, now what's the right strategy for this specific opportunity? You know, it's interesting. A lot of times secular or digital strategists are brought in because the church is really struggling with how to uh, measure and drive engagement. And in the reading that we do about building communities and building staff and Everything points to people who are really engaged need to be able to do two things as a community or as a congregation. They need to be able to receive something and they have to be able to give something. And so I think a lot of times the digital strategies, when they come in and they're applied directly to the church, like you mentioned, they take away that giving component. And that actually decreases engagement of communities over time. And if you if you study building people into groups, communities, congregations, staff, the that engagement of being able to give back is so critical that they've actually found that having accountability toward that engagement or toward that uh, giving back um, actually drives engagement as well. And sometimes that's such an interesting thing because you think about accountability as being something almost almost has a negative connotation sometimes, and that's really not the case. And I think a secular digital strategy just can't take those things into account in the way that the church needs to have them. Yeah, and in a sense, the church is completely backwards to the economy, right? It's all about giving, giving, yes. giving, giving, giving more, 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 more. And the, the companies is all about getting, right? You know, another thing we talk about as we go through um, these thinking about digital strategies, we, you know, we came up with the five C's, the content, mm-hmm. Um, challenge, communications, connection, but one that's completely different, unique to the church is care. 
like a church has to care it has mm -hmm. to give something for absolutely no reason <clears throat> if you think back to what the church used to do we used to give money to to the poor who you know who could because there were there weren't social welfare programs these people were literally going to starve if someone didn't help them a company doesn't care unless the person is sitting in the target of a sphere of opportunity mm -hmm. then we might care like um you know if i if i make diapers i might care and give some diapers away but i'm probably not going to go help someone you know find a home or pay their rent uh, or if i do it the, the percentage of of my revenue or profit that i devote to that is teeny tiny I was watching Shark Tank the other day and, and this company came in and was like, oh, well, when we give, you know, you know, a tenth of a percent of our profits to, um, you know, charity. And they listed the charity. And I was like, going, what? You actually were, it was embarrassing how small the number was. I, I forget exactly what the number was, but I was like, that's embarrassingly small. And the sharks were like, that's amazing. That's a huge <laughs> number. I'm like, really? And it goes to show you, like, you get so accustomed, like churches, how much do they give away? I, I know a ton of churches that give away 10% just straight off the top just just to, to other charities and but if you count all the other things they're doing through missions and i mean the number is, is way huger um so i'm not sure that's the best way to say huger it's <laughs> made up a word there um but it's a memorable way to say huger right but everything is about care um within the church right the organizational goals are different you right. have to answer to shareholders. You have to get a certain bottom line. You have to do all these things that are driven to enrich and grow a company. And and it's different in a church. We're shepherding souls for the long term. And small mistakes in an organization, you can compare quarter to quarter. You can make up your financial losses. But small mistakes in digital strategy, if they impact the care of someone and impact you know their, their soul or their experience or interpretation of church, it's a different type of consequence. Right. And I used to think and say too on our teams that when, I, when we worked at, at a church was that staff in a sense is a necessary evil. Like the fewer staff you have, the better, because we're supposed to equip others. Like, and again, that goes back to even the outreach. We're supposed to equip others. Every dollar right. the church spends on marketing is a necessary evil perhaps, because we should be empowering that through our people. Um, that said, there are low-hanging fruits out there that you just need to check the box and do, like a Google ad. Like, okay, yeah, we need to do that. And and to expect a volunteer to come along and put a Google ad in for the church is not strategic, and it's not that's that's just weird. Um, so there's ten percent of of the efforts maybe is the church's responsibility, but I feel like right now in some organizations it's like eighty percent that the church is putting strategies in place specifically for them to to do the work versus to have others do it. There's a church too that we were working with and one of the big things that they wanted to do is create stories, um, have people put their stories in about how uh, a specific serving event might have helped or, or, or changed them. And I think that's great too, but when we have people author their own content, mm -hmm. not only is it completely shareable to their you know people, like if they right. write that, I'm sure they're right. gonna share it with others, right? That we should encourage them to even post it into their so social media. Natural engagement. But as we write things ourselves, I know if I'm writing something like a training document, I'm learning and I'm getting excited, more excited about what I just did. And and so it actually deepens our interest and our enthusiasm when we took the step to write that. So now it's going to help me and I'm probably going to go talk about it more. Um, but it also makes it shareable. Other people see it. And so it's those types of strategies that 
Yeah, the secular world kind of has stuff like that, but that, it's almost like they're just throwing scraps out, you know? And I think we've even seen that at the conference. Um, when we have had some secular um, organizations come in, um, like many of the background check companies mm -hmm. are more secular based. Um, they come in, they go, hey, we go to a lot of secular conferences and people talk about community. Right. Like everybody basically talks about community, but this is completely different. This is real community. And I think that's just one example of how the church is too. Mm -hmm. Or at least it should be. It should be. In a healthy church. Yeah. So I guess to wrap it up, just, you know, there are, we need to have these digital strategies be careful about just taking one off the shelf from the corporate space and then just applying it lock, stock, and barrel. Mm -hmm. There's good tools there. Um, business tools can help churches, but the business plans lock, stock, and barrel will probably not help you and could damage. Don't look for the silver bullet. You know, just grind out. Do the hard work. Good strategy, the right way, for the right amount of time, and focus on your people and not don't try to take that role from them. And as a community here with Rock, with Spark Development Network, we definitely have structured the way that we do things to try to be more inside that community realm, to really line up with the way churches are working so we can have shared strategies. So we're under some of the same constraints and the same freedoms and the same opportunities that churches are. And I think that's been really valuable to us to keep us um, the perspective shared, um, to be able to also share what we learn as we as we go through things and there are a lot of organizations you know our we talk about our ecosystem is our core team it's the churches in rock and it's also the rock partners so rock partners are set up as secular organizations and in, in most cases but they're committed to helping churches and and they're really committed at a different level than other organizations and so we just want to remind the churches that um, are working with organizations in the rock community, whether it's rock related services or uh, similar kind of parallel services, if if this is an organization that is promoting themselves within the rock community, make sure they're a rock partner because there is a big difference between those organizations that are contributing financially and committed to the sustainability of what we're doing here at Rock, which in turn is is creating the tools that you need for your digital strategy at your church. There are some organizations that are fully supportive and committed to this the future of Spark and Rock. And there are others that see the community as a great opportunity for business. And um, and it is. And the Rock partners are realize that as well, but they want to ensure the future success and they really have a different motivation. So take a minute, take a look at the organizations you're working with. Check out our Rock Partner page. Look for our Rock Partners and sponsors and see if the organizations you're working with are as committed as you are to the future health of Rock. And if they're not, uh, consider working with someone who is or consider helping having the conversation about why Rock Partnership is so critical to this community because it is a little bit different than other uh, models that are out there. Uh, so we rely on you um, and we hope you can rely on us. And we really appreciate your tuning in here again with us today and allowing us to share some of the insights and thoughts that we have. Have a great day and we'll see you back at the next Rockcast. This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. 
Connect with them today at rockrms.com slash sponsors.